Welcome to the Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast where we discuss all things compounding and all things concerning independent pharmacy. Now, here are your hosts, Mike Delisio, North American Sales Director, and Sebastian Dennison, Clinical Compounding Pharmacist. Welcome, Compounding World, and welcome to the latest episode of A Mortar and Pestle, a PCCA podcast. I'm your host, Mike Delisio, and I am joined with Sebastian Dennison remotely once again, Seb. Uh, I hope all is well with you, and it's great to have you back on the podcast in this, in this Zoom type of fashion. I, I'm thoroughly enjoying doing our podcast, but the, the variability in our, in our locales is, is becoming challenging, so... Uh, it's, it's, but this is a, this is a perfect podcast for it to kind of zoom in. Don't you agree? I, I think it is. And, um, for all of our listeners who probably would have noticed there is a slight difference in our audio recording. We are joined by three different guests, uh, from across the country, mostly on the West coast. So they are dialing in today via zoom. And that is one of them of which is our director of outside sales calling from Northern California. So welcome Aaron, Michael to your number fifth appearance on the Mortar and Pestle. Yay, thank you. I'm so excited. Am I number one yet? Most featured? I think you're tied, but I know this has been a a lifelong goal of yours. It has, but I'm glad to be back. So thanks for having me back. Thanks so much for joining us, Erin. And uh, to keep our West Coast trend, we we also have Renelle Larson, member of our clinical services team, and she's also calling from Sacramento, California. So welcome, Renelle. Hey, thanks. Glad to be here. Yeah, and this is number two for you. So welcome back to the Mortar and Pestle. And then last but not least, and most importantly, we are joined by Don Ibsen of Washington State, who's been a member of PCCA for quite some time, owns two compounding pharmacies in, uh, I would say, around the Seattle area. I won't steal your thunder, Don, but I'll allow you to give more of an introduction. So welcome to the Mortar and Pestle. Thank you very much for having me today. It's a pleasure to share and to be a part of this. We, we love to have members on the podcast. It provides a different perspective for a lot of our listeners. And the topic that we're going to be covering today is extremely important. And it became more important um, as the pandemic essentially transpired. And we, um, we at PCCA had an opportunity to do a pulse survey, which was really a chance for us to dive into the most important things that people were facing while they were trying to operate their pharmacy throughout the pandemic. Some, some feedback we took very, very seriously because we actually created podcasts focused around some of this uh, market demand or market inquiries. And one of them happened to be uh, the nature of operational best practice and really how to focus on dealing with your staff, dealing with your finances, dealing with uh, curbside delivery, et cetera. A lot of the things that people were trying to implement throughout the pandemic. Number two biggest response was focus on social media marketing and, and what that meant in a time where you have a lot less foot traffic. But I would say one of the most important things that people were asking more of and also discussing in a very different way was the ability to do patient follow-up programs. And this became a resounding theme in our marketing and sales conference. Um, Still becomes to be a very important question that's covered within our clinical services team. But Don, that really brings you uh, to the reason why you're here today is to share a bit more of your experience, share a bit more of how you've always implemented a successful patient follow-up program and what that has meant to your patient base 
and most importantly, what it's meant to your practice. So for those of our listeners who are not as familiar with you or your pharmacies, I will give you the chance to talk a bit more about who you focus on and, and how important patient follow-up programs have become to your practice. Sure. So as you mentioned, um, I'm a pharmacy owner of two locations. They're both non-sterile compounding pharmacies. Um, as you mentioned, near the Seattle area, they're actually 25 miles apart, but it seems even farther when it comes to demographics of the doctors we help, the patients we service, and how we do that. Um, one of my locations, Kuslers, is licensed in Washington only, and we do bill some insurance contracts, but limited. The other location is Clark's in Bellevue, and they're licensed in nine states and they're a cash-based model. Um, the, the why is going back to our value statements of who we are and how we take care of patients, and it's being there for them through thick and thin to help them live their best lives. So it was a natural progression for us that we were more than just a pharmacy filling their prescriptions and you know thanking them at the counter and counseling them on their medications we were there for them for the whole, the whole journey of their health, um, which is beyond that fill and following up with them on a continual basis. The pandemic became so important for us to really dig in deep on patient follow-up programs because like many pharmacies, we closed our doors to walk-in traffic March 23rd. And actually as of today, we're still closed until tomorrow we're gonna reopen um, with lots of guidelines, of course. but we missed our customers, we missed our patients, they weren't walking in the door anymore. And we needed to make sure they, they knew we were still there and that they knew that their health and what they did about their health was the one thing that they could continually control. And we wanted to make sure that they were okay and that they knew what our processes were and our policies. So yes, pandemic became the reason, but in going forward, it's not, we will continue this program because we found so much value to it. Um, it's daunting at first, but I promise you any pharmacy out there, you can do this, at least in some small way. And you may have to start small, but, but that's an okay thing to do. So Don, you're starting to talk about like the enormity of this project and uh, starting small. Um, I, I know it's kind of like it's such a leading piece. Um, what was your first indication that you needed to start getting involved in this this more robust uh, patient follow-up and, and follow-through, so to speak? Yeah, so like many pharmacies, you know, March was a great month. People were panicked. They were stocking up. They were hoarding, so to speak. And then April hit and we all kind of went, oh my gosh, what are we going to do about this? And how long is this going to last? And, you know, Brian Prescott, for me, hit the nail on the head of really putting to words what I was seeing and what we were doing that obviously there was so little that we could control. But the one, the one pocket that we could control was to help our patients stay compliant on refills. And so that's where we started was just simply running some data out of our computer system to identify who, who's due for a refill, and then not reaching out saying, hey, can we fill your prescription? Because yeah, sure, that's one of the goals. We wanna fill the prescription, but we also wanna make sure that our patients are okay and they know that we're there for them. And so the empathy and the tone that we use as pharmacists and pharmacy owners is super important that the phone call was always, I'm your pharmacist and I'm calling to check in on you. 
And how are you doing? Because I know that this is a lot that you're going through right now. And obviously that messaging likely over time will change and um, evolve based on what's going on in our current economy and our current area. Um, but that overwhelming feel of the pharmacist having empathy for their patient, that's always there. It's just the, the subject might be slightly different. So that was where we started um, because we were able to get the data the easiest and we wanted to control the refills and we wanted to make sure that they were that they knew we were there and how they could get their services from us with our doors being closed that we could still ship we still had drive through a curbside pickup and there were ways to navigate their world and keep them safe and keep them healthy so that's where we started um, a lot of times in april it was our staff had time on their hands and we were doing everything we could to maintain not changing anything in who worked for us and how many hours that they had for us. We wanted to maintain normalcy for our staff and safety for our staff. And so um, initially it was pretty easy to find the time to do those things. Um, luckily, you know, knock on wood with May and it's looking like June, um, numbers are picking up a bit. Again, I would not say that they're back to quote unquote normal, um, but time has been less opportune. However, uh, we have an advantage of being close to the University of Washington and I have about um, six pharmacy student interns that work for us on staff. And one of the silver linings I've learned through this is what great opportunities patient follow-up programs give to students also. Um, you know, it takes coaching, it takes time, but teaching them to have that pharmacist brain and to dig a little deeper besides just saying, do you want your refill? And probing the students with asking questions around, how's that medication working for you? Are you having any issues with that medication? Do you have any questions about it? Um, we've been able to identify problems before they became big problems of patients that did truly have questions that they didn't bother to call the pharmacy back with, and they probably never would have, that we were able to help address and help navigate therapeutic outcomes with them and give them follow-up on, on what to do about it, whether it be, you know, having a side effect or maybe needing to communicate again with their doctor, we could help facilitate all those things. So it, it's really, really important. And um, if pharmacies have access to students, it's a great opportunity for the students also to, to co-learn. Um, actually, side note, through that experience, we've signed up to be a, a clinical teaching site, which usually that's like ambulatory care type pharmacies. But the University of Washington is partnering with us to be that clinical site for their second, second year PY2s, um, where they will come in and they will basically help to manage that patient follow-up program and through that get access to clinical practice, so to speak. So I guess I'm going to jump to Aaron. Um, so Aaron, you and I uh, recorded a podcast a few months back about customer experience and, and what that meant for, you know, an effective marketing plan, but not necessarily just a marketing plan, but just enhancing or improving the overall experience for the patient throughout the pharmacy. How do you view this as being, you know, a component of a lot of the stuff that we discussed? And I know Don touched on, touched on the financial viability as well. Um, what is your take and, and how has it been rolled out to some of your, I will call them your mentors and individuals that you've spoken to from a marketing perspective? And how, do, how does one begin and why is this so important and why is it even more important now than it was in the past? 
Yeah, all, all great points, and, and I couldn't agree more that it totally fits into that patient experience. So um, like Don said, is really making sure that your patients know whether those doors are locked or unlocked, that you're still there for them and that there are things, you know, that, that you can do to continue to help them throughout this, whether it's the pandemic or just any kind of situation, is that you're standing there next to them. So I think it's a great reinforcement, um, not only for the patients, but the practitioners too. And I think about the triad. I think about, you know, doctors knowing that their patients are going to be taken care of, patients knowing that they're going to be taken care of, and really helping solidify some of that relationship as well. So it is all part of that experience. I mean, think about think about the escalation level or where you take your relationship with your patients when you're making a phone call to check on them, when you're asking them how they're doing, when you're making sure that everything's okay so that way they can continue to be compliant with their medication, um, asking how they're feeling, you know, what's going on in their life. That's a, that's a conversation that most people do not get. And I would say, you know, for us that are in the compounding world, it's very natural for us to have that consultative approach with our patients. Um, I would encourage all independent pharmacies to have that consultative approach. Whether you compound or not, you can definitely do this with your traditional pharmacy as well. It does not have to be just compounded medications. So you're really looking to make sure that your patients are doing well and that you're being a partner um, in that um, kind of healthcare triad, the one patient, one pharmacist, one practitioner. So it definitely fits in with that patient experience, but also like Don said in the beginning, um, I think oftentimes people think about this as a very daunting task, and, and they think, where do I start? And, oh, my gosh, especially if, it, if you're a hybrid pharmacy or, or just a traditional pharmacy, um, and you think about, I'm filling 400 prescriptions a day, you're telling me that I need to call all of those people? Like, that can be a very daunting task. And so I always tell people, let's break it down into bite-sized pieces. And so maybe you start a patient follow-up program, you know, just on all new prescriptions that come in your door. And seven days after those prescriptions are filled and the patient has picked them up, you know, you, you let the patient know that, hey, we just, we're going to be calling to check on you in five to seven days. So when you see, you know, XYZ Pharmacy come across your caller ID, just so you know, we're going to be calling because we want to make sure that you're you're doing well and check in on you. And so, um, you know, maybe it's just the new prescriptions that you do. So that's a segment. Or maybe you want to concentrate on, and again, like you said, Mike, this could be all part of your marketing plan. If you want to grow a specific segment within your, your pharmacy, then maybe that's the specific segment that you uh, start doing a follow-up program for. So, for example, if I have in my sales and marketing plan that I want to grow my HRT segment, hormone replacement therapy, by 20% by the end of the year, that might be the segment that I start doing patient follow-up calls on. Um, obviously, I'm going to retain more patients. I'm going to know more what's going on in their, um, their therapy. And, and if there are any um, changes that need to be made, I have that first opportunity to connect with the doctor and be able to, um, you know, talk through what those changes look like. Doing that is much better than, and it's going to grow my segment a lot faster than just hoping that those patients, if they do have a compliance issue or, you know, some kind of dosage um, issue or something like that, hoping that they're going to call me. We all know that most of the time patients are just going to stop taking their medications. They're not going to call you. They're not going to ask. So this is a great opportunity to help you fulfill your goals 
in growing a specific segment too. But I've also seen people, you know, take advantage of uh, what I call kind of a win-back opportunity. You know, we all get prescriptions that get transferred every single day, and sometimes you wonder, well, why? What, what happened? Why did that, you know, did the patient move away? Um, did they have a bad experience? Again, going back to that customer experience, what, why are they transferring? And really, that's, that was the segment and the way that I utilized my patient follow-up program in my pharmacy is anytime we had a prescription that was transferred out, we just kept a clipboard, you know, by our fax machine as we would fax it out. I know this is back in the day. We had fax machines still, so... Um, but I just had a little clipboard that was right next to the fax machine, and I knew who the patient was. You know, my, my clerks would just write down the prescription number, where it got transferred to, um, as far as what pharmacy, and then who the patient was. And every Saturday, that was what we did on our slower times, is we called those patients, and we just said, hey, um, you know, this is Aaron from Redwood Pharmacy, and I just want to check in on you. I, I did see that we... Um, transferred a prescription out to another pharmacy this week, and I, I just I'd love to talk to you about why that is, you know. And I will say nine times out of ten, we ended up getting those prescriptions back because patients felt like we um, we really cared about them and that they were really a part of our business, and we wanted to make sure, you know, that we were doing everything in our power to to make sure that they had a great experience. So um, I, I always say just. Do it in bite-sized pieces. Um, you know, implement something little, and that will continue to grow. But, but if you're filling 400 scripts a day and you think to yourself, oh, my gosh, I have to fill out a, or start a patient follow-up program on all 400 scripts every single day, it's never going to get done. So just break it down. Figure out a little teeny segment that you want to focus on and start, start implementing the program, um, you know, in just bite-sized pieces. So that's what I always tell people. And and advise them, especially, I mean, I hear stories all across the country on how people are implementing this and um, just sharing those third-party stories and what works for others, bite-sized pieces. So I um, wanted to comment on what Aaron and also what Dawn had, had said regarding starting small because that's what I get a big question on in consulting. Everybody wants to do this. It's exciting, it makes sense, but there's this big, huge, looming question of how do we go about this? Um, for me and how I did it, we had a fairly large um, HRT consultation practice, so that was a very natural progression for me because if you have these you know, HRT patients, you're kind of already doing this in a sense. It's just not in an organized fashion. So you can organize it. And, and I will say this does not have to be a pharmacist that calls them. Um, you can pay somebody a smaller fee or utilize, like Dawn said, utilize an intern, which is an excellent idea. I had never thought about that before. I love that idea. It does not need to be a pharmacist. Um, I am a little bit of a control freak, so I parked the person right next to me so I could overhear see, hear them, um, kind of hear what they were talking to the patient about. We had a very, very, very easy script that they went through. Um, it was just a series of a few questions that they asked, and they could write, write down the answers. If they needed to follow up with a the pharmacist, then I can follow up with them. A couple pointers I would say, Erin already touch, touched on this, let the patient know you're following up with them. Um, it's a great opportunity during your HRT consultations if you're doing them. 
um, or even when they're just picking up their prescriptions, to say, hey, we're going to have somebody call you in, you know, five to seven days. What's a good day for you? What's a good time for you? I learned this because I had a night shift worker, and we kept trying to call them during normal hours, and we would never hear back from them. So, you know, you learn as you go. So I would say let them know you're going to call. Um, kind of get a window of when is good for them. You know, you kind of feel like a like an AT&T phone worker when you're like, we'll be here, we'll be calling between these hours. But it's really beneficial for your patient. They're expecting the call. They kind of get excited about it. And then the non-pharmacist that's calling can ask a series of questions. Very simple. Have you started the therapy? Um, is it helping at all? Is it working? Um, what symptoms have gone away? What symptoms do we still need to treat? And then that's kind of the extent of it. If it gets more into, um, oh, well, can I increase, can I decrease, that's a question for the pharmacist, and that's where the pharmacist needs to be involved. And we can set up a time to do that. Um, I would also say this is an excellent opportunity to involve the doctor again. You know, compounders, the basis of our roots or going back to our roots is that triad of the patient, the physician, and the pharmacist working together. And the patient should be at the top of that triad. They should be what connects you and they should be the center to that. So this is an excellent opportunity to strengthen those bonds with the doctor. Send the doctor a really short note and just say, hey, this patient started on this therapy for their hot flashes and their night sweats and they're doing great, just wanted to tell you almost all their symptoms are resolved. That doctor now has your pharmacy in mind and says, wow, look at they're doing great. And you know what? If they're not doing great, let the doctor know and say, hey, I think we may need to make some adjustments here. They will appreciate it and they like that communication. They are so busy like we are, but we can take some of that off of their plate. So I would say start small, start with a group that that is manageable for you, figure out your kinks, figure out where you can you can fix things, and then it's easy to expand that onto more. We started with HRT, and then we started um, also with new prescriptions um, because, as we know, some patients, they get home and they're like, I don't know what to do with this. Like, I don't, I don't know what I need to be doing. They don't want to call us. They're embarrassed, and then they just never start, and then you never see the return from that prescription. So um, I think that initially this can be a little bit scary, but once you dive into it, like Aaron said, you can break it down into small pieces and make it much more manageable. So Renell or Dawn, did either of you ever utilize any of the assessment forms that we have online that you could just send to them early, or was that a little bit too high of a shot? Did you have like a little template of questions that you would ask that you could document, or would that be like something you could pick up and use, like just a series of three to five questions that you ask everyone at the same time and have a script, so to speak. Yeah, that's what, that's what my, um, I had a person that would call back and they had about three or four questions that they would just ask right off the bat. And, um, I'm kind of old school. I like the paper in my hand. And so, um, they would, they would write all the answers down and then they would give it to me and there was a little spot at the bottom whether they needed a pharmacist to call back or not and they would have like a time and day approximate that would work for them and I would take that and stack that up. But yes, it was just a very, very simple, um, you know, outline of, of these questions that needed to be asked. It, it wasn't difficult. It wasn't in-depth. It, it was, you know, if you went through all these questions, it would take anywhere between two and 10 minutes, depending on how talkative the patient was. 
Yeah, and this is Dawn, and we initially didn't have anything formal as far as forms, but that's where we're heading with this next is to formalize it so that it won't have to be a pharmacist that does it and that it could even go down to technician level. And, um, you know, one of the things as I'm listening to everybody talk, Aaron and, and Renell, is that this has actually been a silver lining for us in our business as far as we quickly realized how much money we were leaving on the table by not doing this. And I estimate that if these programs became very succinct, formalized and done correctly, that this likely could on its own um, afford to have a staff member dedicated to just this type of program alone and still have a great return on investment with it. But one of the things that is super important on, on any program that you're going to implement, but specifically on a follow-up program, is you really have to determine who's responsible for the program. Because if you just say, hey team, you're all awesome, and this is what we're going to do day to day, it becomes really daunting and hard and nobody knows who's on first and when it's going to happen and how it's going to be done. So um, as leadership and owners of pharmacies, we're the ones that have to set that up and, and who's responsible for it. But also, what's the measurement of success? And that can be lots of different things. For us, if it's a new patient follow-up program, monetarily, it's a little bit hard to get that ROI on it right away. Um, but you're looking for the long term, you're looking for patient retention, you're looking for more subjective information from the patient of how they appreciate the pharmacy and how you were able to help them and what the doctors think about that. But for us on, you know, the refill follow up program, that's something that the measurement of success is a little easier to hone out and you can just look at your ratios of new prescriptions to refills. And over time, you start to notice that that uh, that number of refill prescriptions increases in your ratio is changing. And that's showing the retention of the patient even longer, which we all know it's much more expensive to get new patients and new customers than it is to do a great job and maintain those existing customers we have. And one of the cool parts about this that we're starting to see is that we have enthusiastically satisfied customers. And that's something I've always really pushed for with our customer base and our doctor base because what happens when you have an enthusiastically satisfied customer is they're telling everybody, they're telling their family, they're telling their neighbors, they're going back and telling their doctors, I promise my doctors are hearing from our patients now that they're opening back up, that you're not going to believe it. My pharmacist called me to check on me and we were able to keep those, those bridges going and those gaps closed and keep them progressing forward. So, you know, lots of good reasons, both financial and from goodwill to, to be doing these types of programs. Don, something that, um, that amazes me about you and your practice and, and the stores that you own is I know that you're very entrepreneurial and, and based on the execution of this type of program, did you see an evolution of potentially other services that you never offered in the past now that is part of your business and, and, and is a result of some of the feedback that you got from patients? Yeah, and, and those things that we learned are driving us forward currently now. Um, and they were things that we just didn't, we didn't know internally that mattered to our customers. So it gave us an opportunity to basically ask for feedback, right? And so now it's up to us to do something about it. Um, one of which I'm almost embarrassed to say we didn't have was an online store to be able to purchase our supplements, our private line vitamins. We just thought that 
Well, of course they get them when they come in, right? Or we ship it to them when they want it. But giving patients more of a driving tool to be able to control that was really important. Um, we also learned that our patients wanted consultations still, even though they couldn't come into our pharmacy. And so I've pivoted all of my patient consultations for any reason to an online you know, Zoom type platform. And looking back yet again, another silver lining, like why did we not do this, you know, even five years ago? And obviously, you know, our, our customers probably weren't ready for it then, you know, they're Zooming now with everybody they know. And, and it's become normal that of course we're going to meet via Zoom, but it's like, it saves so much time for both sides, both parties on doing that. And I'm not seeing a decrease in the value or the information I was getting versus being in person versus being on a Zoom setting, that's equal. And that same goes with um, reaching our doctors. Um, boy, I tell you, I've been really pushed this year technology wise to learn a lot of new tricks and new things. You know, all of my doctor meetings have been via Zoom. I've done patient seminars via Zoom for doctor's offices now. Um, even all of the conferences that normally I would go to and have a booth at and or provide continuing ed um, classes for, it's all going to be electronic now and all online. And I'm going to have, you know, Zoom rooms and different platforms like that to do these things. So, yes, the, there's been a lot that come to come out of listening to our customers and our doctors and our providers on how do they want us to service their patient and what is that going to look like? Renell, given your experience as well, I know we, the first time you were on the podcast, we talked about your experience within your own business um, and, and launching something so specific within hormone replacement therapy. Based on, on your experience, based on your intelligence and your knowledge of this, this field of work, where have there been some pitfalls and some areas that maybe Don already touched on, but gives you a chance to elaborate based on your work experience as well? Um, yeah, so I think the biggest things I learned from this are one, which I've already mentioned, is to let the patient know that you're calling um, and kind of get a, a roundabout time that would be good to call. The other thing that I would say is the patients need to understand that this is not like a half-hour consultation when the pharmacist calls them back. This is a quick follow-up. Um, sometimes you get those patients that maybe don't have a lot of social interaction or they just want to be your friend or there's all this other stuff going on, especially with COVID now. Um, there's a lot of stress that's happening, um, but they need to understand that this is not like a half hour, hour long conversation on the phone. So I would say what we've learned is my clerks would call at the time, get the patient on the phone for me, then I, and let them know, hey, you know, the pharmacist Rennell is going to come talk to you. She has, you know, five to ten minutes of her time to talk to you. Um, she'll be right here. And they would put them on hold, and then I could get on. Um, and that enabled me not to have to be on the phone listening to ringing, trying to get them to pick up, you know, letting them know what I'm calling for, make sure it's a good time. Like, that seems like such a small thing, but when it's 30 seconds or a minute here or there, in a pharmacist world, when we're so busy running around here and there, that made a huge difference for me. Um, so doing that, um, simple things like having their paperwork or their charts all up and ready to go. Um, those, the form that the person had filled out, the follow-up person had filled out um, beforehand, I had those right there and I had pre-read them. Just scan them, read them so I knew what we were talking about. 
Um, if I had a lot of time, I'd make notes on there, like where I think we need to go. Um, so just simple things like that um, that would really help speed up the conversation. Those were our big things. But then kind of something unexpected that came from it, which is similar to Dawn, um, was the supplements that came in, into this. Like I had a huge opportunity to talk to my patients about supplements and even like evaluate all of their medications on a bigger scale, which I did anyways in my HRT patients, but just to really take that extra time and to get them on a good quality supplement. Like they didn't understand that these big box stores sometimes don't carry the best supplement and it really does make a big difference. So that can be a really good avenue. Um, now I see that a huge thing that could be involved in this is helping support the immune system. Um, with COVID, everything going on, you know, people are really interested in how do I support my immune system? How do I build this up so I have a better chance should I get this or to fight this off? So I think those are excellent ideas um, to incorporate and that can, that can come around here. But I think that there's, there's just it's, it's different for every single pharmacy, what you'll learn. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting to me um, to hear Dawn's experiences because, you know, I was in the pharmacy 10 years ago, so we didn't have an online presence either. So I can see how that would be like a big, big thing, but I would be in Dawn's shoes going, well, I can mail it to you. Like, what's the big deal? Um, you know, or get it when you come in. So I think that it's an excellent opportunity to find those little nuances, find those little holes that may be just the tiny little straw that your patients would leave. And you would never, ever, ever think that they would leave because of that. Um, and so for, for me, those were the kind of little things that we found that really helped. Also, when you follow back and you have that touch on that patient, they will tell everyone. And you will have so many people come back to you. You will have them, you know, I say, I say they, they bring their husbands because I dealt mostly with HRT people. You fix the HRT people. Mike, Mike's heard me say this before. You fix the HRT person, and, man, they got their brother and their sister and their mother and their husband. Everybody's coming to you. So it's really, really neat, um, the inflow that you can have. And if you can stop the outflow, your business will just boom. Yeah, and, and Mike, uh, I'm going to add something to that um, because I, I love hearing the pharmacist perspective and, and my sales and marketing mind, you know, keeps on going and, and I, I want to put it into perspective for, for maybe our salespeople that are listening into this and, and how they can utilize it to help grow the pharmacy and help um, really make sure the pharmacy is hitting their goals. Um, but this is, both of them have mentioned creating those people that will will be the positive word of mouth, you know, and be what we call those raving fans. There's a great book by Ken Blanchard called Raving Fans, and it is exactly what we're talking about right now. It's going the extra mile. It's doing the little things to where people, they go and advocate for you, and they become the people that are out there selling your business. And I, I use this little story. Um, it's in the book, but um, a person was at a restaurant, and uh, they really wanted an espresso. And so they had ordered a, a cappuccino with their dinner and, or whatever meal they were having. And the waitress, um, even though the restaurant did not have any kind of espresso machine, took the order for the cappuccino and went back and went next door to the uh, coffee house that was next door um, got a cappuccino, came back, put it in a coffee cup from the restaurant, you know, a glass ceramic cup, um, and brought it over to the, the patron who had ordered the cappuccino. 
the patron did not know, you know, that that had come from an outside place. And but that was, you know, one example of going above and beyond. And later on, uh, they did find out that that the restaurant did not have an espresso machine. But yet, when you learned that that waitress took all that time and effort to create that experience for that person that was eating in that restaurant and went above and beyond to, you know, instead of saying, sorry, we don't have that, did everything in their power to make sure that that experience was a pleasurable one and that that guest got what they wanted for their meal. So those are the kind of things I think that this patient follow-up program helps you with is creating that experience, going above and beyond, making sure that you're letting your patients know everything that you will do to make sure that they are well. Um, and like both Rennell and Donna have said, let your patients be your advocate. Create those raving fans to help you achieve your goals, you know, moving forward. Um, I, I also want to comment just on, a, again, a common barrier of entry, and I know Rennell and Don have both talked about it as well, but I can't emphasize enough how much this does not need to be a pharmacist that does these calls. Um, it, it really can be anyone that you train that has a set list of questions, whatever that specialty is, um, that you're trying to enhance or grow, uh, and make sure that they know their boundaries. I mean, I, I'm a licensed pharmacy technician, have been for 25 plus years. I know my boundaries. I know when I was working in the pharmacy what I could answer and what I could not answer, when I needed to get a pharmacist involved. Um, but I think when you have those scripted questions, you know, it helps the person that's doing the calls kind of stay on track and stay focused. And kind of like what Rennell said, I look at it no different as when I was going out and detailing doctors. My job was to get in front of the right people to bring in my pharmacist who would then help close the deal. And I, I look at it the same way with your patient follow-up program too. You should have someone that's doing all of, I hate to say it, but some of the, you know, the, the lead work to get the pharmacist in there if there is more detailed questions, um, if there needs to be a separate consultation, if there needs to be more dedicated time, let someone else ask those, those qualifying questions to make sure we're getting the right person on the phone. And you know what? It might not even be the pharmacist. It might be someone, you know, completely different. Maybe you identify that they have questions about a different service that you offer there in the pharmacy, and maybe you, you get that person on there. So I always, I, I guess I look at the person that's doing your follow-up program um, as really the person that's doing all that qualifying to make sure that we're getting our patients connected with the right person that can help them get better. So. so just to kind of pull this back, I, I was hoping to ask Dawn, do you have an example of where you had that opportunity as a follow-up program to kind of see the, the, the value, not just like the retention of the patient, but also to have like a, a significant intervention in one of those callbacks? Did you, did you catch anything that was of note? Do you have a story where you're just like, oh, man, if we hadn't called, I would love to hear something like that, too. Yeah, absolutely. There, there were many, 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 more than I ever imagined that I would hear. Um, one of them that really super sticks with me is somebody who had filled um, a low-dose naltrexone prescription and uh, did a 30-day supply of it, starting prescription. And we did a call saying, hey, you know, checking in on you. How are things going? How's that medication working out for you? Our records show you might be about due for a refill. 
and what we heard was, oh, well, um, gosh, er, I didn't actually start that medication. Um, you know, I had these other questions about it and I haven't been able to get my hold of my doctor and I had this concern and that concern. And honestly, if it hadn't have been for us making that phone call and being available to answer those questions, to pull them out of the patient number one and answer them and to provide guidance and next steps, I'm positive that patient would have never started that medication ever and likely never would have gotten around even following up with her doctor about that, um, especially given that we were in the middle of a pandemic and the steps that the patient would have needed to take on their own were pretty tremendous at the moment. We, we had numerous cases like that. We also had cases, this has been our theme too, with the amount of stress and the adrenal pull going on in our hormone patients of, these women are generally not feeling very great. Even the ones that were feeling really, really good a couple of months ago, just from the stress that they may or may not even realize they're carrying with what's going on, a um, lot more adrenal insufficiency issues, a lot more cortisol issues, um, thyroids are getting out of whack, hormone replacements getting out of whack. And we've been able to really help communicate and bridge gaps with providers and patients on that triad relationship of working it to its fullest and getting them dialed back in, keeping them compliant, getting them on the right doses for follow-up. And of course, there's been some really fun ones too. Like I got to talk to like a 72 year old, um, you know, veteran that he was homebound because of the pandemic and probably hadn't talked to anybody in a couple of weeks. And yes, that one took a little longer on my time, but it warmed my heart because I, I heard stories I would have never heard before. And um, he didn't actually refill his prescription that day, but the staff remembered me talking to him and said, hey, by the way, do you remember that really sweet guy you talked to a couple days ago? Well, he called back and refilled his prescription today too. So it may not pay out right at that moment, but it's, it's definitely gonna make a positive impact. And you, you know, as on a subjective basis, your staff is gonna get to fill that goodwill too and get to hear the stories of how, how great you're doing and how much you're helping them and how much you mean to that patient in that community. So lots of win-wins in there. Well, that's phenomenal. Hey, Sebastian, I, I, have, a, I have one that was probably pretty serious um, and could have been a lot worse. Uh, we had done a flavored, different flavor. We all know the amoxicillin um, liquid that is that orange color, or I'm sorry, pink color, and I think it's supposed to be bubble gum or something, and I don't know of any kid that likes it. Um, but we had had a mom come in, and we were to make a different flavor. Did the consultation, did everything, and if it wasn't for our patient follow-up program, and again, reiterating that this didn't have to be a pharmacist making these calls, because the question was, how's your child doing? You know, is the flavor better? Are they taking the medication? Um, <clears throat> which I, I felt was uh, kind of ironic that we had this situation considering the whole reason they came to us was, before, was because of a flavoring kind of issue. But um, if we had never asked the question of how are you doing and is the dosage form okay, we would have never found out that she was putting the amoxicillin in the child's ear because it was for an ear infection. And so when we found out the baby was not getting any better, um, we asked, the question of the flavor and she responded back with, well, I don't really understand why it's flavored anyways when I'm putting it in the child's ear. Um, again, we would have never found that out. So being able to ask that question and say, 
Um, this is an oral medication. Even though it said right on the bottle, again, like, like Rennell and Don have said, patients are embarrassed. They're not going to call in. They're not going to ask those questions. They're going to do what they think is right. And so that was a uh, great intervention that we were able to make sure that that child got better by actually taking the medication orally. Okay, I, I gotta say, I love that story, although it's a bit like, what? Like, it's surprising, but it's it's true. And and I'm sure, Rennell, you've got one too. I do, actually. Um, before I tell my story, I do wanna say, I 100% agree with Dawn. Getting the positive feedback is like a breath of fresh air. And to have your staff and to you yourself hear that because a lot of the times your day is filled with people calling and saying, hey, I have a problem or, hey, this isn't working or, hey, I still have a symptom. To, we don't get those warm and fuzzies, and this gives you the warm and fuzzies, and it feels really good to have that positive energy and that positive feedback, and it makes you know, like, hey, I am making a difference. Like, yes, I had this very difficult patient, but look at all these other patients that I have helped and that we as a team at this pharmacy have helped. And it's so good for your morale. It's amazing. Um, my story was an elderly patient. Um, after we had got kind of like everything together with HRT, we went to new prescriptions and really focused on vets. We had a big vet um, population and a lot of prescriptions that came through. And, you know, most people that are doing compounding, like number one vet prescription is methimazole transdermal. Very common in these elderly cats to do transdermal methimazole. Um, we were very proficient at um, doing our consultations with these, you know, telling them how to use these finger cards, the exact amount you would apply, all this type of thing. Well, we called this elderly patient, and she had been given a month's supply um, of this, and she was almost out after like five days. And so when we figured out how much she was using, she was saying it's very difficult to apply all this cream to the cat's ears. And she was using way too much. Um, and so being able to intervene with that, obviously that was a pharmacist call at that point, and we had to talk about how much you're using. We had to involve the vet, like, hey, I think we might need to get some labs here, maybe see how the cat's doing. Cat was fine. But because we had followed up in a timely manner, we were able to um, really help the owner and the cat and clear a lot of things out of the air. Even though we had done the initial consultation, you know, she was embarrassed that she didn't understand. Standing right there in front of me, talking to her and showing her the syringe. And, you know, I had a dummy syringe with dummy cream. Like, she still didn't understand. And it took a couple times. So to follow up with that and to be able to, you know, kind of get in there before there was a major problem um, was really rewarding and, and just made us realize, like, yes, we need to do this because there's problems problems that you don't know about until you know about them. I think we could all probably in our pharmacy practice talk about these follow-up moments, but I think this really demonstrates uh, two key pieces is number one, we've got an opportunity with the pandemic and number two, the, the desperate importance of, of, of undertaking it now and setting that stage because when things kind of come back to full, you know, everyone's open and go, go, go. If you set the program now, you could almost set yourself up for greater success once things return to normal because you've established that pattern in your own pharmacy. Uh, I, I can't say enough of how important this is, and I, and I appreciate all of your insights. Thank you. Sebastian, just kind of listening to these three stories, I, also, I almost think 
by not implementing some sort of patient follow-up program, are we doing a disservice to our patients? And I don't want to position it that way, but if you just think about the three stories that you just heard right there, how many other stories are out there with just compliance, you know, or dosage form or something along those lines? Like, could we be helping our patients even more than what we're doing right now? I, I often think about that and, and you know, I'm always trying to figure out new ways that we can continue to elevate that level of service. This is what sets us apart and, and this is what makes, you know, our pharmacy uh, heroes just as such an important part of the healthcare team. That was my biggest takeaway was, you know, listening to all of you speak, specifically on the examples, makes me question whether or not a, an independent community pharmacy without an adequate follow-up program is able to not only maintain a brand and, and customer experience, but from a therapeutic point of view, I, I find it hard to believe that it's not an essential role or responsibility within the pharmacy. And I think that's probably the biggest takeaway. You guys touched on you know, financial feasibility, the uh, overall brand, the customer experience, employee morale, um, management of, of, of just overall prescriptions and what it looks like from a refill point of view. There were so many big things touched, you know, probably each one could have been its own podcast. And, and I think that's probably the reason why we wanted all these different perspectives today, specifically with you, Don, being an active PCCA member, Rennell, uh, being an ex-owner and now part of our clinical services team, obviously a colleague of Sebastian, and then with Erin in terms of the work that she does with sales and marketing individuals uh, and how important it is to so many businesses makes me scratch my head and wonder how it's, it's just not one of those essential things that, that people do on a daily basis. So uh, I'm sure our listeners got a ton from this. Uh, for those that are PCCA members, they also have the ability to hear one of our marketing power hours that covers essentially the same topic, maybe discussed in a slightly different way. Um, our virtual sales and marketing conference did touch on this topic as well. So there are other resources, other um, avenues for some of our listeners to potentially learn more on this topic. Uh, but lastly, guys, I just wanted to thank all of you for doing this and for joining in and recording the podcast in this manner. I know it's not necessarily the easiest. There are some audio differences for our audience, but essentially uh, we really appreciate you guys coming together and sharing not only your experience, but what works well and, and where some of the pitfalls are because I'm sure a lot of the people that are listening to this will, if they have not started it, it'll, they'll probably start as soon as they can. So definitely appreciate your insight. It was I was going to say, always for having me, Mike. <laughs> Aaron's going to be back for round six next time. So it's, it's, we're going to have to say thank you again, but Rennell, I'm sure you got to get calls about your script and Dawn, thank you so much for being here today. Thank it's you. Been a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, and Don, we'll probably try to do our best to have you back, and maybe you'll catch Aaron one day. Oh, that'd be great. Definitely appreciate you being here. Thanks, all of our listeners, um, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Most importantly, if you do not follow us on social media, please look us up on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and obviously subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. This is Mike Delisio, and we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>